be great. All right, so I'm going to set my timer quick so I don't forget. Today we're, we're going to talk about Solomon's wisdom and how he chose it. So while you're turning there, I'm just going to say a couple little things. Uh, many people make New Year's resolutions. Uh, they say they're going to eat healthier or uh, work out more and lose weight. Um, that's, that's good and all, but they're forgetting one important thing that a Christian must have, and that is a spiritual walk with God. So oh, I'm just going to read 1 Kings uh, uh, 3, 3 through 13. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in, in, incense in high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. For that was a great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast shewed unto thy servant, David my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him the, this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child, and I know not how to go in or, to, or go out or to come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor continued for, or counted for multitude. Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words, lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there is none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you that I have the opportunity to preach and that you just have given me a message. I pray that it would be a blessing and encouragement to some people to make the right decision. Um, I just pray that you'd give them the, just the, the hearts to, to hear what I'm saying and uh, me the words to, to say. And in your name, amen. Solomon's wisdom was something that was recorded throughout the Bible as uh, being one of the greatest wise men ever. So he uh, made many difficult decisions that were high pressure, and God helped him throughout his lifetime to make those decisions and to make the right choice. But he wasn't born that way. Um, he was uh, given this opportunity in Gibeon to ask for anything that he wanted, and he chose wisdom, right? Right? But we're going to look before that and, and see how he was wise before he was wise. So Solomon's, Solomon's uh, was wise before he was wise because, um, oh, let's back up. Before God appeared, Solomon was the son of the great king of Israel, King David. 
Solomon was the sole heir to the throne, and after King David died, Solomon took the throne. As Solomon knew, he had very large shoes to fill, being that David was a man after God's own heart. That being said, he chose to follow his father's footsteps and to love the Lord. Those are two wise things, and that's the first two that I'm going to mention. Um, he was also searching for God in, in Gibeon. He made a thousand uh, uh, burnt offerings, which is a lot. That's a ton of offerings. Honestly, it probably took a lot of time and a lot of preparation, and he honestly tried to pursue God in that place, and, and honestly, always looking for God in, uh, is, is a wise decision. Um, after God had appeared. Uh, while in uh, Gibeon, uh, Solomon had God appear to him in a dream, and he asked him if anything, he, he told him to ask anything of him. Uh, let's read verse 5 and 9. All right. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this, this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child, and I know not how to go in or to come out. And thy servant is in the midst of the people of, of thy people which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? Solomon was wise enough to ask for an understanding heart. So he asked before he was wise to be even more, and I get to have an understanding heart to become even more, uh, let's say, wise, right? So he, he chose wisdom over his own personal gain. He chose wisdom over the, uh, his physical uh, aspects like riches. And God saw that in verse 10, and it said that it pleased him. And God also gave him that which he, not, he did not ask for, which is riches and also, uh, I forget what it says. Let's go there. Verse, uh, I believe that's 13. And I have given thee, and I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. Wisdom is a choice. Before God had appeared to him in his dream, he was actively being wise. He was choosing to obey his parents by loving the Lord and following in his father's footsteps. He wasn't born the wisest man in the world. He made a choice when he was a young man to do so. <clears throat> How do we choose wisdom? We choose wisdom by fearing the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we choose to fear him, we will get wisdom and God can and mold us and shape us. Why is wisdom so important? Let's go to Proverbs 16, 16. Proverbs 16, 16. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather than to be chosen, rather to be chosen than silver? And then let's turn over to Proverbs 4, 9. 
Proverbs 4, 7, sorry. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. The Bible compares wisdom to gold. It also says that it is the prominent thing. Sounds rather important if it's compared to gold and silver, right? So why wouldn't we want it? I know that New Year's resolutions are a worldly term, uh, and, but we as Christians should always be making resolutions and growing in our walk with God. God made us humans, and we are imperfect. Solomon wasn't perfect. He was known, he had, I don't know how many different wives, and it was, he had a crazy, uh, but God, God, God still used him, right? God still, God still chose to, to ask, uh, have him ask whatever he wanted, and he, can, he still used him. So if God can use Solomon, what, what makes you think that he can't use you? Right? Wisdom is a choice. It's not impossible. Not, it's, the Bible says nothing's impossible with, with Christ. Right? So this New Year's, just try to choose wisdom and choose to, let's say, grow in your walk with God. Turning the Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And um, this is kind of an introduction, not really anything to do with the message, but um, kind of does. You know, sometimes we're. Uh, I don't mean to say this after we all ate a wonderful meal, but uh, sometimes we're asleep in life and we don't recognize things. And uh, sometimes when we're um, preparing to preach, we're asleep. And uh, not really. God has his reasons for the way he does things. But it's interesting. Um, I laughed. I don't, know if, I don't know if I did it out loud. And if I did, I didn't mean to. But... When Jerry said, turn to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, I laughed. And the reason I laughed is because I had four points and a whole entire message on Hebrews 2, 1 that I put back in my filing cabinet this morning before I came to church. <laughs> and it was very similar points to what he made on that same verse. And obviously, God did not want me to use that message. And I'm thankful that God works in things like that. And you don't, you don't always see it, but in a, in a situation like that, you go, oh, whew, dodged a bullet there. Well, I'm glad I, I wish I would have been, maybe if I would have prayed more earlier in the week, I would have not even prepared that. But anyways, I must have, I must have needed to learn that lesson twice. But um, Matthew chapter 13, it's just neat how the Lord, the Lord works all those things out. Matthew 13, verse 24 through 30, says, um, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed 
in thy field. From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now, the interesting thing in this passage is, uh, first of all, the passage starts with Jesus preaching a message. And um, if you're going to copy a message, that's the message that you should copy. Not that I'm copying his message, but you get, get what I'm saying. Is if, if you're going to uh, kind of quote out of someone's message, that's the, the good one to quote out of. But he's talking to the, the multitude about the different kinds of seeds and about the sower and the different places that seed falls. Um, as you know, this year we had a lot of rain. And uh, uh, when you have a lot of rain... Even in the modern world that we live in, they are, they're very, the, the machines that we have are so advanced to what they used to be. Um, for instance, uh, when you spray a cornfield, you have a data chip in your sprayer that tells you how many bushels per acre in every area of that field the farmer harvested the year before. And the sprayer dumps extra nutrients and fertilizer in the areas that were low producers the year before. Automatically, it's all computerized. My neighbor planted some soybeans, but he had them sprayed right, well, right after he had them sprayed, we had one of our downpours that became quite regular this summer, right? And I was just back in that field the other day, and the soybeans are still there. You can hardly tell they're there because the weeds are almost up to my shoulders. Because the rain came for several days after it had already been sprayed. So kind of a similar thing to this, the, the soybeans came up and, I, and he just abandoned it. He said, forget it, I'm not even gonna try to harvest it. Because they've actually made machines now where you harvest that soybean and it sends the junk out the back, the, the, the weeds, and the extra stuff on the plants, and it just somehow keeps all the beans, which is pretty amazing to me when you watch the whole process. But we're not talking about farming, okay? Well, we are talking about farming, but um, let's not get too sidetracked with that. But the whole process of soybeans, right? So some fell on good ground. So seed falls on good ground, and it falls on hard ground. You can also be deceitful when you plant seed, because as a, a child, and I know none of you ever did this, but I'm sure at some point when you were a child, you were instructed to do something and you thought you would take a shortcut. Well, if you take a shortcut and you tell your father that you planted all the corn seed and you didn't plant the corn seed in some areas of the field, especially the sunny parts of the field because it was hot, it's not going to come up, right? And just like if someone comes in and spoils your harvest, you're not going to see it until the harvest comes up. So the point I'm trying to make, and the, the point that I believe Jesus is trying to make here, is that while we are asleep, not phys sometimes physically, you know, we're asleep. I, I fall asleep and I miss things. 
Uh, I feel bad because uh, the other night we had people over on uh, New Year's Eve and I fell asleep on the couch. It happens, you know. Maybe it doesn't happen to you, but it happens to me. I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. So at, I, I don't try to be rude. I try to stay awake. It's not, not that it's boring company, but it gets to be 11 o'clock at night. I'm checking out. <laughs> right? That's just, that's just me. Right? And I, I fell asleep. Well, you know what? We fall asleep spiritually. You know, just like um, we, go, we go through the motions. We're, we're doing good things, but we're, we're, we get... You know, um, I, I instructed my boys, and I'm going to try to do the same thing. When I was helping, I uh, said, we're going to type out your messages. You're going to tell me what you want to say, and we're going to type it out. And I said, stick to the script. All right? So I'm going to try to stick to the script. I said, don't stray, because that's how you get yourself in trouble when you're preaching. And they said, okay, we'll stick to the script. Timothy added a little something on his, but that's okay. <laughs> but I checked it first, all right? But it's, it's just stick to the script. So... We, in our Christian lives, we go through the motions sometimes. I know, maybe you don't do that, okay? But we go through the motions, and we're reading the Bible. You know, I was thinking the other day, I was, I was looking at my Bible reading schedule, and I did something different. And I'm glad, I'm glad we, we have that ability. Does that sound? You know, pastor gets up and gives us all these different opportunities and says, hey, if you don't know what to do, do this, or pray about what you, what you think God wants you to do. Well, last year, I felt that he wanted me to go through the Bible chronologically. I have never done that. And I, I found this app, and maybe the guy was wrong, I don't know, but it seemed like it flowed. And it was weird in, in um, uh, the Gospels, because he would, it seemed like your daily Bible reading, you'd be, you'd read Matthew chapter 13 for 10 verses, and then you'd jump over to Mark for three verses, and then over to John for... So there was a lot of jumping around, especially in the Gospels, but it was, it was a good thing, because you know what it did? It pulled me out of a rut. It, allowed, it caused me to think a little bit more. It, and that's good to do. And this year I'm doing something different. And that's what we need to do, because we get asleep. And when we are asleep, that's when the attack comes. That's when, you know, uh, <laughs> what happened at Pearl Harbor? Pearl Harbor... They got warned. There was all kinds of warnings. And they said, oh, that's never going to happen. Same thing happened on September 11th. There's a, I could tell you about this book I read, several books, and that wasn't a conspiracy book, don't worry. But it was an actual book about warnings and things that were in place. Do you realize that three out of the 19 people that were the attackers were pulled over in Virginia? And if an officer had access to everything... He would have known that they weren't supposed to be in America, and he would have put two and two together. Another way. So, what I'm trying to get across is this: we fall asleep spiritually. We're not awake, and when 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 we do that, our seed is being destroyed. Well, what is our seed? Obviously, our seed can be our children, right? We uh, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 1:8, "Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers." Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after him. We, I don't know about you, but I want another generation to follow after me. The whole idea of not just my children, but in working in children's ministries is, hey, we're trying to train another generation. And um, 
I don't know about you, but if you're paying attention at all to what's going on in this world, there's a lot of things to draw people away. There's a lot of people that are being drawn away. I, I um, And it was mentioned before in this area of compromise, but it's very true. I work with people that are sincere, good people and are Christians. I believe. I've, we've, they've talked about their testimony, but they are way off the deep end and some other stuff. And, and in music and all these different things, and I'm thinking, wow, how did they get there? But some of them, they started over here, and somehow they ended up over here. Well, guess what? That can happen. You know, the Bible says, um, take heed lest you fall. We're, none of us is above anyone else. None of us is above falling. You know, we, uh, we were talking to Junior Church this morning, and I said, we love to point fingers, at least I do, at the disciples and say, what is wrong with you? But we were reading in uh, Luke today, and in Luke chapter 24, uh, Jesus says to the, it says that Jesus revealed the eyes were opened of the disciples. So in other words, we blame the disciples for a lot, but they were, Jesus was keeping the blinders on them in some stuff. And then he, just like he does with us, you can read, I mean, I, I've, I've read the Bible through I don't know how many times, and you've done the same, and then you get to a, a, a verse, and you're having your daily devotions, and you go, where was that the other 40 times I went through here? Right? You weren't ready for it. God did not want that to be revealed to you yet. Either that or you were not paying attention, which is sometimes my case. But God wasn't ready for you to hear that yet, right? And sometimes, just like it says in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, talks about, no, 2 Corinthians, sorry. I get confused. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we go through something, and we, if, if you try to automatically think, oh, why does God put me through this? Sometimes he doesn't reveal that to you until 10 years later or 15 years. And you know what? Sometimes, as it says in that passage, it's not even for you. It's for someone else. But you have to, you have to, you know what? That requires work. And we don't like to always work at things. We like easy things. So our seed is being destroyed. How is our seed being destroyed? First of all, it's being destroyed by lack of knowledge. It says in Hosea 4.6, and I'm just going to read these fast. If you can't turn there, I, only, I want to be quick. I don't want to use up too much time. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I also will forget there. Forget thy children. They were destroyed for the lack of knowledge. You know what? We live, in the Bible says, knowledge puffeth up, right? There's nothing wrong with study. The Bible does tell us to study. But think about how much knowledge is in our world. My kids, I think I've said this before, but my kids get frustrated with me, especially one child, when I say, they say, Daddy, what does that mean? And I say, there's a dictionary on the bookshelf downstairs. And they go, but you have a smartphone. And I go, look it up, just like I had to look it up. Go downstairs, get the dictionary, and look it up. Now, I look it up on my phone, but um, for me, but, right? But I used to look it up in the dictionary, right? So, but we're, we're and the Bible talks about different dispensations in the knowledge, right? But it's not, you need to know things. 
Don't say, and I've heard people say this, well, I'm just going to be a big dummy for the Lord. No, you need to know things. The Bible says people, you need to be able to express to other people the reason of the hope that is within you, and I'm kind of loosely quoting that, sorry. But lack of knowledge, lack of training. The Bible, we're going right to the next point. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Um, another way that we are seed can be destroyed is we have a lack of a thankful spirit. And the Bible warns this about this in 2 Timothy 3.2. It says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. You know what? We should not be part of that group. And I, we all know that, but we can very quickly get in to the, or maybe you can't. Like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, right? So I'll tell this tale on myself, because that's the best tale, tale to tell, right? So as any of you know, that have been to a Chick-fil-A, they're known for their fast service. Sorry, Chick-fil-A, I'm not bashing you, okay? You can't watch it anyways, because you're, oh, you're not at work today, right? It's Sunday. But we went to one the other night, and uh, they were a little slow. There was a lot of people there. Well, there was a man in the car next to us. I'm assuming it was a man. The windows were so dark, I couldn't see. And I'm trying to have a nice night out with my family. And all we can hear is, boom, you know, I'm not even going to try to mimic what it was. Extremely loud. And I am trying to listen to the orders from the children in my back seat about what they would like to eat. And it seemed like it was getting louder. So I turned up my music louder. And my dear wife was very calm. And she says, that's not going to do any good. It's just, they can't even hear it. And I'm like, I know. But now I can't hear the rap music, OK? I think that was rap. I don't really know. And then I rolled my window down, turned it up some more. That didn't work, and I finally gave up until I got up to the drive-through window. And well, anyways, the the end of the story is my flesh got involved. Yeah, was it wrong for him to be selfish and assume that we all wanted to listen to that? Yes. But me responding and getting in the flesh. And if you'd really like me to describe, I'm not going to describe, okay? I, get, I got a little upset, right? The point I'm making is, I don't even know what point I'm making, but the point I'm making is <laughs> that we get involved, and it is in this verse, now I remember where I was going with that, we get involved and we think that we're the most important thing in the world. You know, we're the, the rights people. I'm fed up to hear with the rights and the, are you woke? Yes, I'm awake. And that's not what we meant, right? No, I know. We're not going to go down that road either. But that's what I hear all the time, working for the state. This is what you, well, everybody has their rights. And I'm, hey, I'm all about the Bill of Rights, okay? Don't get me wrong. But we have included, we think way too much of ourselves. And when we think way too much of ourselves, we're not awake spiritually. And you know what? 
Little, I, I don't like little mirrors running around my house. I don't know about you. But sometimes my kids say something or treat each other a certain way, and I go, oh, Lord, please. Really, I, I say that. It's embarrassing. Because I know that they didn't come up with that. They got that for me. Right? Uh, when they say, beep your horn, I go, hmm. I wonder why they think I should beat my horn. Sometimes I just beat my horn randomly. I know. To my wife, it annoys my wife. That's all I do. Just for fun. Got to keep things lively, right? So, we lose our seed. Our seed is being destroyed because of those three things. And then last of all, he takes ground. And you know what? The thing about ground being taken, it very rarely ever goes back. What does it talk about in this passage? It says that, the, that the, the tares were in there and they destroyed seed and that once those seeds are destroyed, it's over. But we have to be alert enough to allow and be awake <laughs> to allow God to work in our lives and help us to be alert. You know what? I, I was telling somebody this, and, and I'll close with this. I was telling somebody, a new parent, or not, maybe it wasn't a new parent, but they said to me, they said, well, you grew up in a Christian home, so um, there's a, and it is true. There is advantages of growing up in a Christian home. There's things that you, you went, you were in church every Sunday, all those things, right? They said, but I don't really know what to do as a parent. And I said, you need to do what the old-fashioned way is. And the old-fashioned way, you ask God to help you. And guess what the Holy Spirit does sometimes if you're paying attention? If you're awake spiritually. He says, get out of your chair and take care of that right now. Now, I'm not saying like a booming voice. You know what I mean. When you're prompted by the Holy Spirit, you know exactly what I mean. And he'll say to you, doesn't the Bible say? And you go, ah, I better take care of that. That's the Holy Spirit. That's, guess what? He does that. Now, I would love to lie and tell you that I do that. I obey that voice 100% of the time, but that would be a lie. In our country, and I don't have to tell you anything that you don't already know, in our country, we are in big trouble. I don't realize, I don't, I don't know if you realize, if you took a poll, that we're not really, well, we never have been, and if you are popular, you better check to see what kind of things you're doing. But Christianity and even Republican or right-leaning people you know, if they're conservative, we're not real popular. So you know what you have to do? You have to wake up a little bit, and you have to take things seriously. And you know what? I, I don't know. I'm not a prophet. Maybe this time that we had toward the end of the year was a little time for hopefully you took it as a reset button, and you spent some more time in the Bible, and you spent some time praying, and you did a little... Stock, you know, like 
like before shopping day, my wife goes through and checks the freezer and checks the fridge and goes downstairs and checks the pantry. Well, maybe we need to do that spiritually and say, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, I love, I love a new year. I love starting a new Bible. I just like new things. I, I think we're all somewhat like that, right? As a kid, if you give me a brand new notebook, I think, my kids, even now, give them a notebook for Christmas, and they're like, oh, a new notebook. Why? Because it's something new. It's something fresh. It's a new beginning. Well, we have a new year. So how about we have a new you and a new me? And uh, we're not learning the same lessons that we did last year, that we actually conquer these lessons and that we do what we're supposed to do. All right. That's it. The Bible says we count them happy that endure. It says that in James. So I just want to see if everybody's happy. I thought about dancing up here or something. You know, I'm the last guy. See if everybody's awake. But I'd probably rip a ligament or something. And then uh, you'd have to call 911 and cart me off. Uh, Oh, well. You know what, though? Hey, it's a new year. Do you realize... The Lord could come back this year. He really could. And one of these days, one of these days, he's going to do it. He really is. I've been hearing about the rapture since I was a little kid. I know when I was small, I used to, we used to have a, we used to have a, and this is not the message at all, but we used to have a little thing where we put our milk cans. It's a long time ago when it was about six feet off the ground. When I first heard about the rapture, I would jump off of it thinking that the Lord would come back before I hit the ground. I don't recommend that. I mean, we could all go on top of the building and uh, do some crazy Jim Jones stuff. But, <laughs> but anyway, but I don't, know, I don't know about you, but genuine things seem to last better. Do you realize real leather shoes are hard to find? Real leather shoes are hard to find. But they last longer, and they're more comfortable than imitation leather. We live in a society where there's a lot of fake things. There's a lot of fake things. Fake designer handbags and wallets bring in $700 million a year. Watches, fake jewelry, fake diamonds. I hope nobody in here got your wife a fake diamond. But (laughs) at least if you do, tell her, okay? Don't let her find out 20 years later. Um, Fake diamonds brings in $502 million. Um, Electronics, wearing apparel, personal care items like shampoo, footwear, computers. And it's no surprise that China produces 80% of the world's counterfeit products. Now that's a big surprise, isn't it? Uh, And you know what? There's a lot of things that aren't on the inside what they look like on the outside. If you go up Route 5 toward Camillus, and you look up on the hill right before you get on 690, there's a whole bunch of big houses that are probably worth 400 to 500,000 apiece. Well, I've talked to a builder whose wife is a real estate agent, and he said that most of those houses at one time were full of lawn chairs, because the people spent so much money on their house, they couldn't afford to put furniture in there. So they had lawn chairs in there, and when they had company, they would rent furniture. They would rent furniture. 
So they were, they were a fake. They were a fake. You know, um, what was in on the inside, what was in on the inside didn't match what was on the outside. And you know, as Christians, we need to be real. And the title of this message is, be real, man. <laughs> but I'm not that cool to say that. Uh, be real. God wants us to be real. To be real. And um, most of my messages I get when I'm having my devotions. And this, let's look at some scripture. We need to have the, fer- the fervency on the inside that people see on the, on, on the outside. You know, I've been in church since I was a baby. I know the drill. I know how to look good. I know how to act spiritual. That doesn't mean I am. And that's a real danger. That's a real danger. We've all got this pride inside where we say, I don't want people to think ill of me. Go to uh, Joel, Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 and verse 12. Hosea, Joel, Amos. Joel chapter 2 and verse 12. He's talking to the nation of Israel. But he says, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even unto me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments. And turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. You know, if I ripped my clothes right now, and I thought about doing that, because maybe it would wake somebody up, but if I, if I ripped my clothes now, like an Old Testament prophet, it would cause a little bit of a stir, wouldn't it? And, and I'd be a little bit embarrassed, if I, especially if I really ripped them. Uh, <laughs> my grandchildren still remember this. We were visiting my in-laws church and had a brand new pair of pants on. And I went in and sat down and they went, rip? You still remember it, don't you, Lydia? And uh, they still think it was, it was great. You know, and I'm there like, gee, Tennessee, what do we do now? Uh, but, but, uh, but if I rip my clothes right now, um, like an Old Testament prophet causes a stir, but God's saying he's interested in what's going on in here, in here. We all can look good, can't we? But God wants to know what's going on in here. What am I really like on the inside? You know, only you and God know that. But what am I really like? Rip your, rip your heart and not your garments. Not your garments. Ripping your garments was an outside show. And God was saying, and there's lots of times in the Old Testament or in the Bible, even the Pharisees would, would rent their clothes and make it look like, make it look like they were repenting when they weren't repenting at all. And we can make it look like we're close to God, but we're not close to God at all. And uh, 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, The Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. God sees my pride. God sees my hypocrisy. God sees my hypocrisy. He wants me to have a heart after him. In, in Psalms 51, it's David's Psalms of, of Repentance. Turn there real quick. Psalm 51. Psalm 51, the Bible says, 
if I find it, sorry. Psalm 51 and verse, um, verse 17. For thou, uh, he's, he's talking to, um, he's, it's a song of repentance. And in verse 17 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. You've got to realize this is a guy that was used to doing literal, physical, animal sacrifices. And he's saying the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. It says, verse 18, do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness with burnt offering and whole burnt offerings. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. God says, get your heart right first, and then do the outside stuff. We want to do the outside stuff, and then maybe our heart will be right, and or maybe our heart is right. I don't know, how many times have you come to church, how many times have you come to church, or how many times have I come to church, Maybe teaching a class or doing something else. You weren't any closer to God than the man in the moon. Our hearts need to be in the right side. But you got up and you taught that class or you, or you said, how you doing, brother, when you didn't want to do, say that any more than the man in the moon. You weren't real on the inside. God wants us to be real. God wants me to be real on the inside. And when I was reading that the other day, God kept saying to me over and over, rend your heart, not your garments. Rend your heart, not your garments. You know, the Bible's got a lot to say about the heart. First of all, Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, Believe in thine heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Matthew twenty two thirty seven says, Love from the heart. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. God wants it to be in the, on the inside, not just saying it on the outside. Not just walking around and acting like there's something going on when there's not. When there should be something on the inside. Colossians 3.16 says, Sing from the heart. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Sing from the heart. Sing from the heart. I don't know what it is about this afternoon. I just loved singing, singing. And you know what? I always, I, I'm sorry. If you can't carry a tune, you know, you can still sing. Boy, there ought to be stuff that makes you sing. I can remember times at work, I'd, I'd be there early in the morning, and I just want to sing. I'd look up at the stars, and I'd go, I just want to sing. Because God's been good. God is singing sing in your heart. In your heart. And I'm sure you've been like I've been. You come in, and you pick up a hymn book, and everybody's singing, and you don't want to sing any more than the man in the moon. And your heart isn't in it any more than the man in the moon, if the man in the moon could even sing. But you... Your heart isn't in it. Boy, we need to be careful of that. Boy, we need to be careful of that. The older I get, the more I realize how wicked I am. And uh, it's disturbing, but it's true. The older I get, the more I realize, you know what? 
You're not worth much. Uh, Romans or Ephesians 6, 6 talks about obeying from the heart. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the, not with eye, let me just say that again. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. How many times do we do things as a men pleaser instead of doing the will of God from the heart? Having it come out of the heart. The Bible says out of the heart are the issues of life. Doing it from the heart. Doing it from the heart. And then in Corinthians it talks about giving from the heart. Every man as he purposes, I say that ten times fast. Every man as he purposeth in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. You know, we should give from the heart. You know, uh, <laughs> you know it's amazing when we take up the offering sometimes. I mean, you know, I try to be like, you know, the Bible says don't let somebody see it. So I try not to look at people. But some people look like you're pulling a tooth. I mean, come on. And we have a giving church. I, I'll be honest with you. I sit up, you know, we have choir. I sit up in the choir and I see how many people are here. Then we count the offering. And I say, where's this money coming from? These people don't make a ton of money. I know, I know them. They're not rich. Where's it come from? But we could still be stingy. You know that? Give from the heart. You know, when pastor says, we've got a special speaker, let's pray about what we should give him tonight. Do you do that? Do you do that? Do you give from the heart? You know, I can remember, I can remember when we didn't have a pot to pee in. I mean, I, sorry, I probably shouldn't have said that. But I can remember when we didn't have a lot of money. Uh, we used to, every, every time, every time when we, that's more politically correct. But anyway, uh, Dan was talking about woke earlier. I don't even know what that means. But, but anyway, um, I can remember years ago, every time we had a special speaker, I thought it was my job to put money in for him. I did. I just thought, well, that's what you're supposed to do. The special speakers here, we're supposed to put money in for him. Think about that. You know, I know there's some people, I mean, everybody's different. And you know what? I know what people give, but you know what? I ignore what people give. I put it out of my mind. I really do. I really do. And uh, just try to be brain dead. And that's not too hard either. But... <laughs> <laughs> but give from the heart. Give from the heart. And, um, you know, part of this has been mentioned before, but you know what? We have, we should, there's a lot of things we should do from the heart. In conclusion here, there's so many things we should do from the heart. And one of them is a real love for the Bible. Real love for the Bible. Job 23, 12, he says, I, Your word is more important than my necessary food. Than my necessary food. I can remember the day when I would not eat until I read my Bible. You notice I said, I can remember the day. Uh, it's more, it should be more important than what we eat. This Bible's our life. This Bible's our life. You know, Jesus said to the devil, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 
out of the mouth of God. So the important thing is reading the Bible. It's more important than Fox News. It's more important than what's on your phone. It's more important than the sports scores from yesterday. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. And, and the more we don't read it and make it important, the more it shows in our life. The more it shows in our life. The more it shows in my life. When I don't make it important. You know what else is good? Get a notebook and write. Some days I write pages of stuff that God spoke to me about. It's important to write your thoughts down, to try to write legibly, okay? <laughs> so you can go back and look at it later. And uh, actually, you know, if you look at my notebook, I write better there than I do anywhere. I really do. I, I'm careful because I'm thinking and I'm printing and those kind of things. But everything else I write is illegible. So a real love for the Word of God is checking on our heart is rending our heart and not our garments. And another thing is making your heart, making sure your heart is right with God every day. Every day. Constant confession with sin. Feel yourself being filled with the Spirit every day. Every day. And you know, Jerry mentioned this. If you find yourself drifting, do something about it. Do something about it. Don't let day after day go with a bad attitude. You ever wanted to, if you ever wanted to fester a bad attitude, I have. There's times when I've had a bad attitude and I've enjoyed it. Okay? And that's, that's not good. That's not good. Do something about it. Don't be lazy in your Christian life. Do something about it. It's important. It's important. You know, um, and then... Have a real effective time of prayer. Know how to get a hold of God. You know, during COVID, when we all had COVID, if I break my leg, I'll sue you. <laughs> but that's not scriptural, is it? Uh, during COVID, there were some people that were really sick in our church. And there was times when I begged God to make them feel better. How come I don't get down on my knees and beg God for my neighbor to get saved? You see the difference? Sometimes we're serious in prayer. And sometimes we're just there. And we're not, it's not in our heart. You know, James said, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual fervent fervent. I can remember times in my life when I've just begged God. We need to be there a lot. We need to be there a lot and not be lazy. Not be lazy in prayer. And you know something else? Don't be proud. Ask people to pray for you when you're struggling. Do that. I can remember walking up to men in this church years ago and say, pray for me. I'm discouraged and I want to quit. And they did. But you know what? I'm too proud to do that now. I say that to my shame. There's times when I should have done it in this last year and I didn't do it. Well, I'm going to try to do it again. And don't be afraid to walk up to me and say, listen. Because you, you know what? We don't want to admit how frail we are. We don't want to admit how much we need God. But you know what? We all do. 
We all do. And um, we need to pray for each other. You know, Job sacrificed. Job chapter 1. Job sacrificed for his children every day because he said that maybe they've gotten away from God. It said, this did Job continually. This did Job continually. You know, if you're a parent, even if you're not a parent, you should pray for every child, that you, every child in this church, every child that you know, you should pray for them. They, they, they won't fall. Every day I pray for my children. Every day I pray for my grandchildren. I pray for your children. Because you know, if, you, if, we, if we're awake, we should know what kind of a world they're growing up in and the temptations that they have facing them. Uh, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. But pray, pray. And then the last thing is a real concern for the lost. You know, rend your hearts and not your garments. Pray for lost people. You know, sometimes, sometimes we think, you know, in the summer, sometimes we think, well, I went to visitation. I punched my ticket. <laughs> and we think we've done our duty. Well, no, we haven't. Rend your heart and not your garments. Don't put on a show. I, hey, guess what? I'm here. I'm going door to door. Big deal. Is your heart in it? Is my heart in it? What about you? What about me? Do we do things from the heart? We do things in the heart. And we need, we need to remember that. This year, let's try to be genuine. Try to be genuine. Try to have something going on in here for what the people see out here. And hopefully you can have something better in here than what they see out here. And then, uh, you know, we have a, we have a, a job to do. And uh, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Hopefully, hopefully, don't you want to see Jesus' face this year? But don't you want him to be happy if you do? And not be ashamed. Not be ashamed. Pastor. Pastor.